even on a weird, somewhat weird Sunday like this one, I still see some visitors in our audience. And we want you to know that we're really glad that you're here. And even if we do not greet you warmly afterwards in the lobby, we would still love for you to come back. I want you to know that this is going to be a shorter sermon today. And some of you are thinking, no way can he keep it brief. And I am eager to prove you wrong. My topic is the same as I was planning for it to be. In fact, we're going to remain in our sermon series that we've been calling Woke, uh, Raising Our Gospel Awareness. My sermon was and is Woke to Spiritual Warfare. My text was and is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And I would invite you to grab a Bible and go there with me. Uh, there are no slides this morning, so it will be helpful to you to have your Bible open in your lap to this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Paul says to this first century group of believers, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Put on the armor of God so that you can withstand the schemes of the devil. This is a sermon about spiritual warfare. And maybe you're wondering, why would you preach a sermon about spiritual threats when we as a country and as a world are facing a unique biological threat, a virus that has never sickened humans before, a virus about which there is a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, uh, that we don't know a lot about, a, a virus that is... Uh, certainly deadly and has already affected many uh, in our world and in an increasing number in our country. It's a biological threat, this virus, but it's also a spiritual threat. And maybe you think, well, why is it also a spiritual threat? Well, that's because every threat is a spiritual threat. Every dilemma that we face as humans in this life is a spiritual dilemma. With every difficult situation that we go through, we get to choose, we must choose, in fact, whether to respond according to the Spirit that dwells within us, if we're baptized believers, that guides us, or according to the flesh, according to our uh, sinful human nature. We get to choose, we have to choose, in every dilemma, whether to follow the will of God or the way of the enemy, our adversary, the devil. So the question is, how does the enemy, how does Satan, who prowls about like a roaring lion, the God of this world, Paul calls him in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the prince of the power of the air, he is called earlier in the book of Ephesians. How does he, the enemy, want us to respond to this particular, this unique threat? Well, first of all, the enemy wants us to respond with anxiety and fear. But our God wants His people, us, to respond instead with faith and calm. Our country is panic-stricken. 
And there are a lot of anxious, worried people. And I'm afraid that this is only going to increase in the coming days and weeks. If we see cases of this virus increase, if we see cities and even states and maybe even our country go into some sort of temporary lockdown, if we see the number of deaths rise in our country, then we will see more panic and we will see more anxiety and we will experience and encounter more worried people, which makes it incumbent upon us as believers to continue to project calm and to exhibit faith. I think about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus said, after a pretty lengthy section about anxiety and how we shouldn't be characterized as his disciples by anxiousness, he says this to conclude it. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be anxious. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Deal with the challenges as they come day by day. As Paul tells us a little bit later in Ephesians 6, we need to take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith and trust that God's got this. Not the mantle of anxiety and worry. But I think we should also remember in times like these that fear and preparedness are not the same thing. We can remain faithful. Absolutely faithful and we can entrust ourselves to our God and yet also be concerned and take precautions. And that's what our leaders are seeking to do. Not only the leaders of our country, but our local church leaders, our elders. That's what they're seeking to do. And it's not a betrayal of our faith. God wants us to take care of ourselves and our families and care and love for one another. And so these two ideas are not mutually Exclusive faithfulness and preparedness. The enemy wants us to respond with anxiety and fear, and we see that across our land, and we will increasingly so. But God's people, God's people, through this and every other calamity that we face, should project calm and exhibit faith. And in so doing, we will stand out uniquely in our culture and we will shine our light. Maybe God is giving us an opportunity to shine our light. As never before in our lifetimes. Number two, the enemy, our adversary, the devil, wants us to only consider ourselves. Satan wants us to look out for me, myself, and I. But God wants us to look out for each other. I read an article just a few days ago, and news with this is changing rapidly. But in this article, it was about, well, a college student. This was the lead, at least. The college student was... Uh, Booking flights, you know, uh, flights are being limited and not a lot of people are flying and the prices are plummeting. And this particular college student has not really been able to fly before, but now she wants to take a lot of trips. And she's quoted in the article as saying, I feel like if the coronavirus would get even more serious and like wipe out a large amount of people, I might as well be somewhere having fun. Now, some of you laugh and I won't fault you for that, but if that wasn't so selfish and sad, it would be funny. We know that this is not the way we've been called to react to situations like these. In such a selfish way, we have been called to act and to react with love and concern. 
And let me share with you that love may look a little different in the coming days. It felt very unloving to me earlier when we were not shaking hands and hugging. I held out my elbow to greet many of you. Uh, it's also the elbow that I cough into, so go figure there. <laughs> but that all felt very unloving, but we are actually, paradoxically, taking these actions out of love. It doesn't feel loving to not come together as often as we have been, to not have church on Sunday night or Wednesday night if it comes to that, or even Sunday morning. A lot of churches are not meeting at all this entire week and maybe for weeks to come. That feels unloving because often love draws us together, but in this season, it may, the most loving thing may be for us to keep apart, to keep our distance. Love is going to not look like love in the days ahead, but love will still take some familiar forms. Calls and text messages and notes sent to each other are going to become even more important forms of communication and encouragement than they have ever been before. I am particularly concerned about those who already struggle with loneliness, with depression, with anxiety in this season as we are more isolated than ever before. We need to check on people. We need to look out for each other. We need to look out for our elderly members. Many of them are not with us today, and, and I'm thankful that they're not. We want to keep them healthy. Of course, I'm thankful for those who are here as well. But sometimes our elderly folks already suffer from neglect, and they are more at risk at contracting this virus, and we need to look out for them. We need to love them well in the days ahead. Even if we can't or shouldn't make physical visits, we, we've got to check in on them. Love is going to look a little different, but love will still take familiar forms. We need to look out for each other. As Kevin said earlier, and I think this is a great verse to share in this season, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It's not about going and having a good time and taking advantage of cheap airfare. This is a time for the church to rise up and care for each other and our neighbors like never before. Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. That is the Christian way. The enemy would love for us to only think about ourselves and protecting ourselves. But God wants us to look out for each other. Number three, the enemy wants us to spread falsehoods. But God wants us to seek truth. The enemy, Satan, your adversary, God's great adversary is a liar. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 8 verse 44, he's the father of all lies. He is the origin of all lying. But we, as God's people, the God of truth, we are truth seekers. We are truth tellers. We ought to be completely trustworthy. In Matthew chapter 5, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, in teaching said you should not rely on vows and oaths uh, to, to bolster your trustworthiness. You should just simply be, be implicitly trustworthy. Your integrity should be so high you shouldn't have to say I swear or I promise. He says let what you say be simply yes or no. Any more than this comes from evil. As Paul will later say in this chapter, fasten on the belt of truth. We are supposed to gird ourselves in truth. So we've got to, especially in times like these, where there is so much rumor and so much speculation and so much misinformation, we've got to do our very best 
to get at the truth. I probably don't have to tell you this, but you can't believe everything that you read on Facebook. I know that it's difficult to get at the truth, but we've got to do our very best. We've got to check our sources. We've got to do our homework. We've got to look into what we read before we share it and make sure that it is as factually accurate as we can possibly find out that it is. In times like these, we ought to trust our medical professionals. They're the ones who know more about this. And maybe you say, well, I've heard one doctor say this and another doctor say that. And maybe that's true. I understand that in these times, maybe more than ever before, it is increasingly difficult to get at the truth. We watch news stations and we want to say, just give me the, the cold, hard facts. Don't give me your left-leaning spin or your right-leaning spin. I just want to know the truth. I know it's tough. But we've got to do our very best to make sure that we are spreading what is true and not false. The enemy wants us to stir up rumors and gossip and untruth because he's the father of all lies. God wants us to seek and spread the truth. Finally, the enemy. See, I'm on my final point. That's pretty good, right? We're, we're wrapping up. We're getting close. The enemy wants us to... The enemy wants to fill us with despair in these times. Satan wants to fill us with discouragement. He wants a, he wants a certain fatalism to set in, in our hearts. Where we just think, this is the way that it is. Everything's going to pot. The world's falling apart. That's what the enemy wants us to think and feel and believe. But God... God wants, us to, God wants to lead us to pray. You know, as I think about what's happening, setting aside the medical toll that this may take on our country, the, the toll of human life, that's most important. The financial toll, you know, the stock market is in a roller coaster. People have already lost employment and uh, they're in financial trouble. But setting all that aside, there is a... There's so much that has been canceled. So many events and sporting events and entertainment events and, and happenings that people have been looking forward to. Trips, vacations, uh, plans that people have been preparing for for maybe months, years have been called off. Now that creates a lot of dis disappointment and despair and discouragement. And, and these are losses that... Uh, can be and should be mourned that are being mourned in our country. So there's a lot of despair. But to borrow some words from that I've seen being shared on social media, there are many things that are not and that will not be canceled. Conversations will not be canceled. Relationships will not be canceled. Love will not be canceled, even if we experience it from afar. Reading won't be canceled. Getting outdoors won't be canceled until the rain sends us back indoors. Family won't be canceled. Singing will not be canceled. Laughing won't be canceled. Hope. As long as there is breath in our lungs, as long as Christ is our Lord, hope will never be canceled. The enemy would want to fill us with despair, but the Lord would have us to pray. We need to pray, not just on this national day of prayer, but we need to be fervently praying for our leaders, for those who are leading our country, our states, our local leaders. We need to pray fervently for our health care workers in many places who are already on the front lines of this thing, working long hours.
risking infection themselves. These are the heroes of these times. We need to be praying for them. We need to pray, be praying for our at-risk population, especially our older folks. We need to be praying for healing across our land. We're about to sing the song, The Great Physician. When you bow your head and fall to your knees in prayer, you are bowing before the one who can and will bring healing. He is the great physician. We need to, we need to beseech him at this time on behalf of our country and our world to bring about healing. So make no mistake, this is a battle against the virus for sure. But it is also a spiritual battle for our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And God wants us to, God wants to see how we're going to respond. Are we going to go the way of the enemy and be filled with anxiety? Or are we going to project calm and exhibit faith? Are we going to think about only ourselves? That's what Satan would have us to do. Or are we going to look out for the interests of others? Are we going to spread falsehood and rumor? Or are we going to voraciously seek the truth? Are we going to allow the enemy to fill us with despair? Or will we be led before our Father's throne in prayer? Let's remember, going back to our text, that our strength comes from the Lord. And we should trust in Him at this hour, as in every other hour. Our first verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's not about my strength. It's not about my resources. It's about trusting in His strength, the strength of His might. Listen, today is a little bit different. And, you know, a lot of people aren't here. But there is very, there's a lot about this day that is the same. The church is the same. The singing is the same. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in a few moments. We are praying as we always have. And we also offer the invitation for anyone who does not know our Jesus as Lord. For anyone who needs to name Him as their Savior and Christ, or if you're struggling in any way, we would also invite you to come. Listen, when you come, I'm not going to hug you like I normally would, and I'm not going to shake your hand, but I will smile. And you can also know that the Lord will be smiling down from heaven. And even though I might keep my distance from you, you can know that God will never keep his distance from any of us. So if you need to come right now, why don't you as we stand and sing?